Bonjour, date night fam. Recording Bonjour. live from Mission Bible. <laughs> I'm running out of greetings. How so. was your day, my love? It was good. Good morning, I study. I have a little piece of apple that's stuck in my tooth here. It's that's really, really gross. There's a little piece of the skin and it got in there during lunch. I can't get it out. So oh other goodness. than that, I'm fine. Okay, now that everyone is grossed out, oh, we've uh, got whatever. a ton to talk about today. <laughs> <Old> man issues. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to respond to a few viewers and messages. So thank you, Caitlin Razula, mm, Raz- for your kind review. Zucula. Ours got to be silent. Yes. And thank you, Michelle W., for your kind messages. And I'm so sorry we have not been able to respond to all of last week's messages yet. Masha, Sarah. Kov. Sarah Kov. Sarah Flores. Hannah Jones. Christy, Nicole, Brianna, and everyone. We're playing serious catch up mm-hmm. with Easter, but know that we are seeing them and trying to work yeah. answers in and the future. And if you're ever in Orange pods. County, swing by the church and just come say hi. Yes. Okay. Today's pod may be the most important one we've done in a while because we'll explain why Christian marriage will not survive and cannot thrive without a good church. Yeah. So if you're not attending church or if you're attending a church where the Bible is poorly taught or leaders don't strive for holiness, please, please, please listen closely today. Okay. This feels backwards, but I'm going to say it. Are you ready, my <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> you ready, Ethan? Yay! How dare you say that to me? <laughs> what did I say? I don't know, but how dare you? Okay, I think we should start on this one by telling our backstory, our community church story, our church story, so everyone understands where we're coming from. Yes. When Tony and I were first married, we were part of a large church. We had a loving group of friends that we'd served with in college ministry. They helped put on a wedding that mm-hmm. really honored God. And that meant for the first couple of years, we had an incredible community around okay. us. And even before Tony was asked onto the church staff, we do Bible studies together, serve in ministries together, have babies together, meet at someone's house to watch Lost together. And I think there was <laughs> even an 80s themed cookout. There was. Joe Dirt. You were Joe Dirt. I was Joe Dirt. I was. <laughs> yes, it was just like, I would say, high school for Christians. And looking back, we really had no choice but to serve and be served. Dum, dum, dum. Suspense. But then we accepted an opportunity to serve in the Philippines. And we just had Ethan, who was 10 months. And it was just the three of us in a second world nation. And we were literally all alone. We were. And I remember that's when it hit us how hard the journey is in life without a church family. Um, The first night in Manila, I remember being, I think it was the 22nd floor Mm -hmm. of this apartment building. And a monsoon blew through and it's rattling the windows and cockroaches are scurrying all over and there's you, my little blonde wife, you're off in the bathroom or something getting ready and then Ethan was crying in his pack and play. I remember actually looking out the window and thinking to myself, Lord, I... I'm in over my head here. This is too much. And we got our flight on a Wednesday. I think we didn't have anything on the itinerary until church Sunday. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know how or where to drive for food. So we literally ordered McDo for like nine meals straight. And if anyone doesn't know what McDo is in Tagala, that's McDonald's. Yes. And let's just say feeding a baby on (laughs) McDo was not the best practice. So we were all alone and there were tears, anxiety, and quite Mm. a bit a lot of marital turmoil. Discussions. Let's, Let's go with this. As a wife, a young mom, for the first time, I felt loneliness and true despair. <laughs> it's a really good word. I think for me, I'd go with self-pity uh, mm-hmm. in one week. And this is the you know, kind of the context. We'd lost the family community that we'd known for years. We'd lost the comfort of our hometown, the place we'd felt known. And I mean, I dare I say it sounds you know, boastful, but the, the place we felt successful, 
And I quickly found myself complaining negative and even a bit hopeless. And then Paul and, and then Jenny invited us over to their home for discipleship. Group. Paul and Jenny. Paul Tanchi uh, was the pastor's son, um, and he'd married a missionary gal from here in the U.S., and they called, I think it was a rainy Friday or whatever, saying, hey, would you like to come over to our apartment for Bible study tonight? And I didn't really feel comfortable. I didn't really want to go, to be honest, but that's why we were there. So they sent a driver. Uh, we held Ethan in our laps. There was no car seats or anything, mm-hmm. and they sped through the back streets of Manila. And we got to their apartment. I remember riding up the elevator and thinking we'd struggle probably with a language barrier. We'd sit around and comfortably have prayer time and some topical study linked to the Sunday sermon. Not even close. Mm-mm. The door opened, and it was like, I mean, I know this is probably just my memory enhancing. It was like light burst out. Seriously. The apartment was modern. It felt normal. Everyone was young and laughing. I remember college they're kind of trying to flirt with the college gals and all that. And then there was this big spread of table food, food across the table. And um, there were guys over in the corner watching a seminary video on TV. And then Paul and Jenny introduced themselves. And they had us sit right in the middle on this couch. And then Paul led us all in a hymn. And then mm-hmm. we opened up to John 15. And I'm sure you remember this. Yes, we went verse by verse through mm-hmm. scripture for like an hour. And then the guys and gals split up. And we did convictions and confessions. Yeah, just like we do here at the church and all of our discipleship groups. And I know for you and I, we had never been a part of that. No. Literally just a Bible study going verse by verse through the text. Yes, and it was like, boom, we had family again. Yep. And driving home Manila didn't seem so big and dark because we had a lifeline and we That's had really family well to call. It's really well said. This massive city didn't feel dark anymore. And I think that was when it became clear to us just how vital the church is for a couple, and and especially young couples. And that without the church, a young couple gets lost literally within days. And I'm going to add to that. If you're listening and you go, well, I have a great nuclear family, um, or I have an athletic tribe that I hang out with, or even a good workplace environment that you love. If you don't have a thriving spiritual community, guaranteed you'll still struggle. Because our spiritual life is the core of everything else. Yes, a Christian cannot survive without the body of Christ. Yeah. So here's what I'd like to do today. Um, All that's kind of set up so you understand where we're pulling from in context experientially, but we want to work in the Word today. I'm going to share the biblical principle behind all of this, and then my love, if you're willing, you take us through and kind of lead us through some of the marital benefits of the church community. Sound good? Okay. I'm assuming our Date Night fam knows the, the big picture here that we call the universal church. That's all believers. And yet most of the New Testament letters were written to individual churches. And believers in Christ were expected to be a part of their local body. So let's just be super clear up front. Being a part of the local church is not an option for true believers. There's no exception to that. There's not one example of a Christian who isn't a part of a church in the Bible. And even when we're out on the mission field, it's because we're a delegate of one of those local congregations or churches. And that's where I'm going to speak just directly to the husbands right up top. So wives, if you're willing, plug your ears. Don't listen to this. Men, I'll wait. I'll give you a second. Have your wives plug the ears. (laughs) As a spiritual leader, one of the greatest things, if not the greatest thing that you'll ever do on planet Earth is choosing the right church home for your family. And even if you're new to the faith or have deep wounds from some previous church experience making you reluctant, you must ensure your family has a biblical community of faith. It's on us to take the lead. We have to make the plan. We must assume responsibility. Far too many Christian homes have passive males at the helm nowadays and leaders in name only, and it forces the wife to wear the pants and make the decisions. So brothers, take the same creativity and drive you put into your career or sports or gaming or whatever it is, and then pour that into your home's spiritual health. And I know that that may be a big change, if not a big charge for some of you. So let me just be ultra practical real quick, okay? Number one, try attending a local church 
uh, three or four weeks in a row and give it some time. If you bounce church to church, you'll just never feel like you're attached. You got to give it some time to get to know the people a little bit. Then secondly, visit a sub-ministry of the church, Sunday school or Bible study, where you can meet real people uh, in a real local, small, organic context, because it's really hard to learn much about a church on Sunday morning. I mean, they're basically putting on, you know, they're, they're presenting towards you, but you're not feeding back and you're not able to answer questions. Number three, attend the church membership class. And, and that's key. Ask questions, um, especially about primary doctrines. And if you're not certain about what doctrines would be considered critical, then go online and check out the FTG videos that we've done on this at forthegospel.org. Okay, my love, that's all the background on the, the big biblical principle. You can take it from here. Okay, so let's assume you're newlyweds and understand the need for a healthy church community. Hubby has located a church nearby that teaches and obeys the word. Let's discuss the benefits you can expect. And number one is that the church will encourage you. Encourage you. Hebrews chapter 10, I'll read it real quick. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, referring to the day of the Lord's return, drawing near. May I speak to the ladies right here? No. <laughs> not this time, of course. Well, the book of Hebrews was written for a group of suffering Christians in a rapidly changing world. Their society was against them in almost every way, and many of them would suffer persecution along with their kids, and they needed courage very similar to our nation today. So the obvious question is, who would encourage them to stand for truth? Who would stand them to, who would help them not to reject Christ? Mm -hmm. It certainly isn't the media or education system. It has to be the church. Yeah. And I would add to that, Brie and I have witnessed many broken marriages and in 99% of them, the couple isolated themselves. And I remember when Facebook was popular, we actually would have times, sweetie, you remember this, where mm -hmm. we could almost predict if our friends were in trouble or if people in the church were in trouble by watching what they were posting, who they were spending their time with. It was like the energy went out from the home instead of into the home. Yes. Yeah. And some of them still attended church on Sunday, but they stopped being a part of true community like small groups and serving in ministry. Yeah. And you spoke to the ladies. Let me just say all that's true for the men too, right? If, if we're going to have to stand firm and stand courageous, the only way we're going to have support and brotherhood doing that, like an army, is going to be with men from the church. And I would say that after I got saved, personal testimony here, I am so glad that I was plugged into ministry at the time because the world's tug was so strong. And I had a great brother, I remember, who would confront me. He would point me back to scripture. And there was a couple times he called me out right in front of people at church. And I'll admit it pinched, mm -hmm. but that's what love is. It's truthful. It's timely. It's aware. It cares. It's life on life stuff. And it loves righteousness and hates sin. And it's so much so that it's willing to even say things that are a bit uncomfortable. Amen. I'm amazed at how ministry in the church protects me me for me. <laughs> like I may be having the most self-absorbed homeschool day. The me monster is winning all in my head, tired, insecure, discontent or whatever. And just one hour of serving or praying for someone. And I'm reminded of the privilege of being a child of God. Amen. Okay. On to marital benefit number two, which is when we get plugged into a good church, the first blessing is that the church will encourage us. And the second is that it will equip us. Ephesians 4 says, quote, he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ until we, keyword, all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So we would say, or could say, that the first benefit of a church is encouragement to live a productive, God-honoring life, while the second benefit, this one, is teaching us how to do that. Yes, how. Being with church people is where our Christian faith actually grows. 
And whereas we just read, Christ gives certain men the job description of equipping saints for the work of service. And that just means that they train us in how to know our Bible, how to live a holy life, how to relate to other Christians, ways to love our spouse, um, to lead our home, to evangelize the lost, and basically discover the gifts God gave us to serve back. And I'll speak to the ladies again. Our flesh can be reluctant to serve in a regular way, and it can be hard when the children are little, but there comes a point in our life where we won't grow unless we're serving, because knowledge without service just puffs up. Yeah. And that applies to all of us brothers too. We have to get in a church where there's a coaching program or we won't grow. And that's just like any great team, right? If you played sports, where there's good coaching, there will be painful moments and there's going to be times we're forced to redo fundamentals. There's going to be times, even seasons where we're pushed past what we would consider a tolerable pain threshold. But in the end, it's worth it because in the church world, we would just say it's like you become a spiritual champion. You become spiritually mature and that is what God intended for us. And wouldn't you say part of this is having godly examples? role models? 110%. Having Mm -hmm. older, wiser, patient mentors who've been through trial and can help us through trial is a key to life. I mean, think about it. When you're getting married, things like finances and child rearing, um, romance, intimacy issues, um, nowadays responding all the diversity stuff that hits the the, the woke, broke workplace, um, or even something like this, infertility. That's Mm -hmm. something that's coming up a lot. For reasons only God knows, some couples have a difficult time conceiving, and that's a tough battle to fight by yourself. I mean, imagine being asked you know, 200 times when you're having children and then having to go home and cry by yourself alone later. And one huge support mechanism that God has blessed in the church is connecting those younger couples with older couples who've tread that path before they have. Amen. Godly mentors help us see down the road. They anticipate the curve so we steer well. <laughs> like Yoda, helping little Jedis. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, if do you, you do, if. do you if. <laughs> All to say, we should go to church, and this is key, looking to be taught. Not with a consumer mindset. You know, we all have been there, right? You want a great band, you want great coffee, you want a feel-good sermon. That's not the goal. That's not why you go to church. You want to go looking to grow. We need to view church as a gathering of people who help us to be all that God made us to be. So what does that look like practically? Oh, well, over the years, I've, I'm going to be honest, I've not seen a lot of middle ground. And uh, I know I'm risking the outcry of legalism here, but let me just share from from my heart. Basically... Some couples grab this truth that we're sharing early on, and they go, I would call it all in on church, while other couples dance around the edge and they kind of fade from church over time. And for the fading couples, it starts with a lot of, for example, vacations and camping trips and little scheduling misfires, kind of excuses to do, and quote, the least possible without a guilty conscience. On the flip side of that is what I would call the all-in couples, and they're at church. Um, I'd say an average of 48 weeks per year, you know, some a little more, some a little less, but they schedule family vacations around church. They show up faithfully to Bible studies. They lead a home group. They give regular offering. Typically, the wife is serving and the husband's serving, and often, not always, you know, the man is nominated for a church office after a few years. And not surprisingly, these are the couples and their kids who mature and thrive, And the reason is what I stated at the beginning. That's because Christ designed it that way. He literally made the church the vehicle to encourage and equip his people. Amen. And that takes us to marital benefit number three. So benefit number one is the church encourages our marriage. Then number two is the church equips our marriage. And lastly, benefit number three is that the church exhorts our marriage, meaning it steers us back to righteousness when we're tempted to sin. Galatians chapter six, I'll read it quick. Verse one and two, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, 
you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, and bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Do you want to take this one? I will. Just because we're Christians, we all know this doesn't mean we're perfect, um, and though it will not prayerfully be a pattern of sin, which would be an indicator that maybe we're not saved. You go back and listen to the podcast we did last week on that. There will still be times, we all know this, that we get angry or we argue or we slander or we lust or we covet or become jealous or whatever it is. And though most of the time we'll confess and repent that, sometimes we may let it fester a little too long and it may grow. And what Paul reminds us in Galatians 6 is that mature people in the church are there to kindly but honestly confront sin and help us. Mm-hmm. And that's not public shaming. Um, it's not you know condemnation. It's not reading off the riot act in front of the congregation, but coming alongside us and helping us acknowledge the sin and then develop the biblical muscles to overcome that sin. Can you explain how that works? I can. I'm always reminded of a story my dad told. Um, I was like four years old and we'd walk to the corner store for milk or something and it was hot and I had bare feet on, you know, but I wanted to show him I was big stuff. So I said, Hey dad, Hey dad, you know, on the way home, can I carry the milk? And I made it like 10 steps. And then, you know, my dad said, well, you can, you sure you can do this? And so after a few steps, you know, I cried out to him. I said, dad, dad, you know, he turned around. He said, what is it, son? I said, I have an idea. You know, how's about I carry the milk and you carry me. And oh, <laughs> I love that cute story. story. Yeah. But I think it's kind of a silly story, but it really does sum up the picture of what Paul means in the church, where we see an issue, and the goal isn't to to reprimand, to come down on, to go, hey, kid, you know, how come you couldn't carry it like I told you to? You know, it's coming alongside a couple and working to help lighten the load. Uh, and you and I have experienced that, where mm-hmm. we're struggling with anger or fear of man or whatever it is, and a mentor comes along with the right book at the right time and then helps us take some of that weight off and begin to make good choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had multiple times here at the church where a husband is poorly treating his wife or vice versa, and it's our role as pastors to meet with them or discipleship group leaders to meet with them and make sure the marriage is reshaped kind of in a biblical fashion. And this is what every true Christian couple should want, including you and I. Mm-hmm. Others looking out for our blind spot others helping protect us from sin, and others carrying us when we've been hurt by that sin. Yes, and I would just reiterate, especially for the ladies, to accept, even desire, good admonishment in your life. And at first it's hard, but over time you'll realize the wounds of a friend truly are faithful and trustworthy and for your betterment. Amen. Well, hey, it looks like we made it. All three benefits of having a solid church surrounding your marriage. Number one is God's people will encourage us. Number two is that they will equip us. And number three is that they will exhort us. May I add a personal encouragement in closing? No, no personal encouragements allowed on date night. Of course, my love. If someone's listening and questions their value to the body of Christ, and I'm sure we've all felt that at one time or another, please know that every part of the body has a role in its growth. And even if your part feels insignificant without you, the body won't function optimally. And Tone preached on this recently. God gifted you with a story, with a gift given at salvation. And when you use that in the church to edify his people, your life is fulfilling its ultimate purpose and bringing ultimate glory to God. Amen. I could say, yay, like you always do. (laughs) (laughs) I I just want to add a little encouragement too. Let me add the opposite, right? That just as much as they need you, you also need them. Hmm. Um, because there's simply no such thing in the faith as a Lone Ranger Christian. And that idea of self-sufficiency is a lie that Satan constantly pushes. Um, and, and it goes all the way back to Cain's moment with Abel when he said, am I my brother's keeper? You know, hmm. Why am I involved in his life? 
and, and I get, great example of this would be like for our, you know, our, we as a couple are marriage, right? If Brie walks into a room, you guys all know this, it beams light and love and laughter and kindness. But when I walk in, it kind of goes grayscale. It's like it Jack, Jack Frost, <laughs> the White Witch of Narnia. No <laughs> way. Like everything crinkles and gets dark. <laughs> you know, I think it's a great picture though, that the church is a beautiful collective, a full functioning body, and there's all these different gifts and all these different members. And when they're all working in a beautiful harmony, then it creates a beautiful symphony the way that God intended. We are so much better together. Yay. So, but I have to say, oh, before we go okay. on real quick, it is so the opposite. And I know this is not in our script, but you are such a wonderful leader. And I'm so thankful for God's grace in your life. Because when you come in the come room. Come on, talk to me more. Tell me more. No, I'm tell serious right now. It's good. Fill my tank. Fill my tank. <laughs> okay, keep going. So if we had to sum all this up, we would simply say, find a good church, go all in on that church, and you will not regret it. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, you didn't make us to do this alone. Uh, we can't do it on our own. We need others to encourage, to equip, and to exhort, and to help us be all that you've created us to be. So please, Lord, give our entire date night family wisdom in the days ahead to plug into the right church, to be with the right people, to steward their gifts in the right way. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, date night fam, we will be back in 168 hours. A big thanks to Mission Bible, Ethan, our producer. Please leave a review. Visit us at forthegospel.org or Instagram, hashtag date night with the woods. And most of all, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Mm-hmm.